0: Hi there, guys. This is the second week of the Road to Qatar podcast. This week, we're going to be looking at some of the latest stories surrounding the World Cup. Obviously, the World Cup starts in two days' time. It's Qatar against Ecuador. And what we're going to be looking at is some of the latest and most emerging stories of the week. So we're going to be looking at Cristiano Ronaldo. Obviously, he's had a big backlash to his exclusive interview with Piers Morgan. We're also going to be looking at Sadio Mane and how, Im- how kind of detrimental is he um, obviously he's not made it because of an injury into the Senegal squad we're also then going to be looking at um, Declan Rice and we're also going to be mentioning Erling Haaland as well as looking at the France squad and then finally we're just going to be uh, making our own 5 team so starting with Cristiano Ronaldo the five-time Ballon d'Or winner he's had a supreme legacy he's probably the goat of football um, you know he's he's, he's technically you know, he's won three Champions Leagues at Real Madrid he's uh, come back to Manchester United last season, scored 18 goals in the league last year. However, there was a lot of criticism of him last year um, and he's now had this interview with Piers Morgan. So how, how severe do you think this interview is? You know, What do you think the club should do? Um, obviously, this mention that the club might terminate its contract. Do you think this is the end of Cristiano Ronaldo? Uh,
1: personally, I don't think it's the end. I know he's 37. Uh, the interview is... I think the interview has basically changed um, the way people see him now. Um,
0: do you think that fans will... Do you think fans will kind of support him and go, actually, we needed this. We needed someone to actually say this is the truth of the, about the club. Or do you think that this is a breach and do you think that this is quite unprofessional from him?
1: I think y- you can argue both sides of it. I think fans will... Fans will support him, whether it's Manchester United or just, in general, Ronaldo fans. You know, he, obviously, he's, he's seen as, if not the best player in the world. And to be starting off as substitutions, yeah, it makes him frustrated. And then if you look at, obviously, what he said in the Piers Morgan interview, um, you know, things like how his, um, uh, his obviously, his uh, Ten Hag um, didn't see any sort of sympathy, anything really when his baby died. Yeah by that I think that you can understand and you can sympathize uh, with Ronaldo for that but at the same time um like if you're looking at him as a role model and he's walking off uh you know the pitch
0: yeah against Tottenham at, against
1: Tottenham yeah. uh when he was on the subs um I think it's just not right really I think uh you know you can def- there'll be a, a lot of backlash towards that
0: Um, Do you think he's going to be leaving in January? Do you think that that's it now? Because obviously, if you say a big thing like this, a big interview, and you've basically criticised the club, he's criticised people like Gary Neville, who he used to play with, really, and the manager, do you think that's it for Ronaldo? he's got to leave in January? And does it put added pressure on him at the World Cup? Because now, you know, he's left and he's gone to play with Portugal. Um, You know, has he really got to perform now to prove himself?
1: I think I've, I personally I think he he'll leave in January uh, regardless of not if he plays well in the World Cup
0: I who think... act- who actually takes him <sighs> though because obviously a lot of the big clubs were offered him in in the summer Chelsea um Manchester City they didn't want him and clubs where he might go such as Sporting are they going to be able to afford him
1: Well it's a good question I think um it really depends on the team and the squad players they have for instance, you know, you've got Chelsea. They've got, you know, the the options they have up front is, you know, where you'd fit Ronaldo. Ronaldo would be expected to be on the starting 11. With Graham Potter, obviously, you know, of course he'd like to see Ronaldo in the squad, but obviously he needs to care about his, his other strikers as well, which I believe is what Ten Hag was doing. But I think Ten Hag sort of, took the advantage of just keeping Ronaldo away and letting players like Martial start up front and see if they could make more of a difference, which I've say I don't think they really did, really. But I think if, you know, there's not... I can't see him go to any sort of big club in in the Premier League, especially.
0: So my next question is just, with Ronaldo, do you think that Portugal are going to go far in the tournament? do you think that he's going to be the star man because what we're now seeing at manchester united with ronaldo is that he's not that star man anymore and that ten hag has realized that you know at the end of the day he's 37 he's gone past his prime is this the same for portugal we've got to remember with portugal it's a little bit different he's their record goal scorer of all time he broke the record recently of the uh, most goals as an international player ever so you know he's he's a far better player at the moment for portugal than he is for manchester united but what do you see the future at the World Cup being for Ronaldo.
1: I think I think I can see him play well at the World Cup. I mean, <clears throat> what he's done at Manchester United uh, hasn't been great, um, but I think Portugal. You know, as you said, leading goal scorer. I think he's he's definitely capable of doing something. I mean, you know, you look at all the previous matches he's had when he's been at Portugal. He's played well, and I don't um, I don't see how he can't. Because when you look at say. Uh, when Gareth Bale, if he plays for a club, and you know, just like well, how Ronaldo's seasons going? He's not starting; he's on the subs. And then when he plays for Wales, he's like, he's he's the best player on the team he, without any club experience. <clears throat> so I don't really see why he uh can't can't be the well the sort of the star player really, of Portugal.
0: And then obviously moving on, kind of going away from Ronaldo now, we're going to look at the France squad. Um, the discussion around the France squad is that they've had this this plague of injuries at the moment. I mean, before the squad was actually announced, Kante, Pogba, um, I think that Koundé as well. Um, there was a number of other players. They're basically some of their star players. Have you got any of those? I think there was uh, Raphael Varan, which was their Mine, mine. Is it Mineo? Uh, AC yes. Milan. He was yes. also ruled out. So they've had some of their big stars um, obviously not make it to the World Cup. And I think a lot of people have kind of underestimated them. I think a lot of people don't see them as favourites. I mean, they are the World Cup holders. So a lot of people do think they're going to go far. But at the moment, it seems to be a lot of the South American clubs that are front runners: Argentina and Brazil, and England as well. Um, but my question is, obviously. Christopher and Kunku, he was the latest to then um now withdraw from the squad. They've recently put in Marcus Turan. Um do you think that France are gonna do well in this tournament with all the injuries?
1: I think they'll I think they'll struggle. I said in the last podcast that um, you know, there's usually a curse for World Cup holders, you yeah, know, they go out early in the
0: tournament. I mean, look at Spain in the 2014 World Cup;
1: they got absolutely battered exactly. by him, Holland, and then they got they did
0: even make it out of the group.
1: Exactly same with uh, Germany as well. Uh, yeah, 2014 yeah. winners got knocked out. Yeah, of the and then group South stage. Korea with Son Heung-min. Exactly, I remember that? Yeah, I think um, you know France have have options. I think. Um, I think uh, defense. They they seem alright. Obviously, you know, as I said, Virat not being
0: there is kind of. I think he is there now. Is, is he there I now? Think, I think there was. Um, he was ruled out, but then they've put him back in. They I think because I remember I saw against. him actually almost crying when he came off from of Manchester United, and I thought that's it. Yeah, but he is, as far as I know, I think he's back in the squad. Um, but Pembe was another one recently that withdrew from the squad. Yeah, and um, they've put I think Axel Diazé from AC. No, Monaco, sorry. Yes, that's it, yeah. They've put him back in. Um, So it seems like at the minute, there's in and out all the time, but they've still got some big players. And Benzema, he might not start the first game, but he's in. Mbappe and Griezmann. So, you know, they're still a big team.
1: Yeah, I think think, uh, looking at forwards, you know, I think they've got plenty of options, whether it's wingers, strikers. The fence, you know, it's the same thing. They've got options. Um, it's the midfield for me, really. Yeah, it's a very new yeah, midfield. It's a new midfield and it doesn't look, it doesn't sort of um, showcase how good France are. You know, you've got players like uh, Rabio who you're seeing in the midfield. You never see him as like a standout player. Yes, he can perform well, you know, sometimes at Juventus, but I, he's never really a standout player. So I I think, like, like you say with, you know, Kante and Pogba, They're experienced in the World Cup, they're experienced in international tournaments and some of these midfielders, they haven't started um, as often as they have, so I don't know whether that will make a difference for
0: France. So another story that we're going to be looking at is Declan Rice. Um, He's recently been pictured with surprisingly a suitcase that's empty. Um, This was seen at the training camp um, just as he was getting on the plane for Qatar. And what he said surrounding this suitcase is that it's an empty suitcase because it's going to be coming back with the World Cup in it. So, do you think he's a little bit too um, confident that England are going to come back with the World Cup, or do you think that's a good spirit to have in the team?
1: I think that's that's a lot. It's a lot of over. I think he's very overconfident. I think um, you know for England. They've got a good squad. I think they're they're, they're going out as. Like I mean, people are saying that they're going out as some of them are saying they're going out as favourites, um, but I think he, he really, realistically, the way the way if you're thinking like that, you think I know obviously the group stage is easy for England. Or It looks easy
0: with on Wales. paper. Yeah, on paper. Yeah. I mean, the, USA, the Wales they, right? game, the Wales game can be anyone's because it's kind of that national pride. You yeah. don't know who's gonna win. It's kind of one of those all or nothing games. But then obviously. The knockouts can be very difficult for England, and we've seen this team crumble before against yeah. kind of weaker oppositions.
1: I think um, you know once once they pass the group stage, because no doubt they're going to the knockout stages. Yeah. You know, I'm I mean very... don't cur-
0: don't curse them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ex-
1: I'm not. Well, I'm not going to speak too soon. Well, I'll try not to anyway. but yeah. I think they'll definitely get on the knockout stages. Uh, it's who they face next is yeah, my yeah, yeah. question because. Depending on who finishes where, um, in uh, is it group? Uh, it's group B. B group B, yeah. Um,
0: Obviously, you've got Iran. You've got, got USA, <coughs> Wales, and England.
1: Yeah. So, bearing that in mind,
0: you'd say they're the favourites.
1: They're fa- oh, 100 percent. I think I think they'll definitely top the group. But like I said, you never know. Wales could put in a,
0: a, a good performance against uh, England, come out on top. It's a very youthful American side as well, isn't it? You've yeah. Got kind of policy, um, you've got. Sergino Dest, um, and then you've also got Weston McKenney, A lot of, a lot of young, influential players at the team. Yeah,
1: they're all. I think they're all with. That's. I think that's a good thing with having uh, youth players is that they show that different bit of uh, talent and creativity, yeah, which you never usually see. But sometimes in tournaments, you need experience, and I think the way you look at it sometimes is that even though they're young players and obviously they're they're standing out, looking good. They might not um, obviously be used to this big of
0: like, an international Well tournament. That was the problem with England in the past. They've had a, youth, a youthful side like Bellingham, Sancho in the past, um, obviously even Mason Mount to some extent, um, and then some of the defenders. But that's where they've had a weakness, where they've not had that mental fortitude to go all the way and to kind of win these big games. And I think with America, that is a weakness for them as well. They're a
1: very inexperienced side. Absolutely, yeah. I think, you know, I think that was uh, something really for the Euros and, you know, you had Belyan, um, Mount, uh, Saka and Sancho. And I think, you know, it when when you look to, you know, the the final of Euro 2020 or 2021, Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I think, you know, the players will definitely feel the pressure because at this, it's one of the, I mean, one of the biggest finals in Europe. Yeah. And it's, you know, you can't really you, when, you're, when you're dealing with pressure on the pitch and it's in a final, you'll you need, you need some way to relax. You'll need some way to find a way that you're going to know you're going to perform to the standards you need to. Yeah, and so with Saka and Sancho, obviously, you know they were the ones that uh, missed the penalties yeah. uh, in the penalty shootout. With that being said, you know, you, now, now that they know from their mistakes, I know uh, obviously Sancho isn't in the squad, yeah. Saka is. Now they know from the mistakes from the previous tournament, they you know they have the, that bit of experience. So that should carry them on to the
0: next one and realise what they need to Definitely. I mean, another story we're going to look at now is, um, it's a very bizarre one, um, but Erling Haaland. So Ashton United, who are in the seventh tier of the English football uh, pyramid, apparently they have now made a, a month loan um, kind of deal. They've tried, well, they've made kind of a, an offer um, to sign Erling Haaland while he's not international duty in the World Cup um, just for that month period. Now, I'm assuming straight away that this is going to be dismissed by Manchester City because obviously the risk of, of him getting injured, I mean, if you look at non-league football, you've got to think the tackle's flying in. Um, I don't think that Manchester City will be too pleased, especially Pep Guardiola, letting their, their star forward go to the seventh tier. But it is one of those kind of nice stories to hear in football, almost that fairy tale like the FA Cup um, when you hear something like this happen.
1: I think it's actually quite uh, interesting to to look at them, I mean, isn't it? I think, uh,
0: well, I don't
1: think there's really any shot of getting into uh, Ashton United.
0: Can you imagine the goals though? The
1: the goals. Oh my god! Could you imagine? He, he, he could
0: literally in that month
1: probably already have
0: you know the golden boot. He could for the whole season of that like forty goals in, in the
1: one month. He could. I mean, he could score a hat trick in every game. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, he's that he's that good of a player for City. You know, he scores he scored, uh, is it 17 or 18 goals? 17, yeah, I think it's 18. 18, 18. 18, yeah. 18 and it's not even probably halfway through the season, the exactly. Premier League. Just imagine what he could do if we're in non-league football. He'd be scoring all the time. I think uh, when he was playing for was it, uh, Norway under 21. Yeah, he scored about seven, is it? He scored seven. No, goals.
0: I think it was three hat-tricks.
1: It was three ha- he scored nine he scored, goals, yeah, yeah. which, I mean, that's, that is
0: ridiculous. It like, is. I mean, it's going to be a massive loss not at the World Cup, but I think that yeah. Pep Guardiola's going to be very happy that his star man has time to kind of rest. Exactly, yeah. Because um, he is very injury prone. Yeah. Um, but no, I think it's it's quite clever from Ashton United. It's maybe more comical than it is serious. Yeah. But obviously, like you say, you never know. Maybe we might hear in the next couple of days another club, like maybe, I don't know, another non-league club coming in for, for Haaland. I mean, if you're out there, he's available. But uh, moving on, obviously we're looking at Sadio Mane. Um, Now, before this podcast, I was going to mention the fact that he was in the squad and that he was only going to be playing the last game and how it shows just how instrumental he is to that side. The fact that his manager has took the risk that he's only going to play that one group game potentially. But now, it it was revealed yesterday that he's now been completely ruled out of the tournament because of um, surgery on a calf injury. And um, the Bayern Munich chief recently has just announced today that he's now going to be not going to the World Cup and that he's going to take a couple of weeks to go into rehab and basically just, um, obviously, recover from his injury and the surgery. The surgery went well, but how significant is Senegal without Sadio Mane? It makes a massive difference.
1: Yeah, I think <clears throat> he's best player, best player for Senegal. Definitely. I think he's, it'll be a big miss for, for him and it'll be a big miss for Senegal. Um, you know, he he does he does wonders um playing in a winger position.
0: He's actually their all time leading goal scorer. Yeah. Right? And as well as that, obviously, I think before the tournament I looked at Senegal and I thought on paper they've got a great team. You know, you look at Kulabarley, uh, Mendy of Chelsea, they've even got yeah. um Saar of Watford, he's been kind of a real live wire in the past. Um Idrisagarnagay, so they've got some real Premier League quality. And I thought they could actually get to the knockouts quite easily if you look at Ecuador and Qatar in their group you'd think that they would beat them but then now I look at, at Senegal and I think without Mane that morale that, that leadership might be lost and sometimes with a big player like Messi Ronaldo but also Mane for Senegal if they're not in the team the whole team doesn't know what to do they're almost the heartbeat of that team Yeah. so obviously what do you think do you think they're <coughs> going to get to the knockout still do you think it's quite as easy as, as it once was
1: it definitely won't be as easy for him. Without um, Mane, I think uh, I think they can still get to the knockout stages. Um, it will definitely have to take a bit more work. Obviously, because he shows a lot in the attack, he's not gonna. You know, I think without him, Senegal might struggle um, goals wise. But um, you know, like you said, you know you've got players like Ismail Yassar. You know, he's done all right for Watford at yeah, the moment. Yeah. I think defensively, they're not too bad. You know they've got uh, a uh, you know mendy and Goal, um who have actually been playing well quite well for chelsea uh, even though they've not exactly had you know the best results but i think um yeah when you look at the squad on paper it it does um, it does look like they should reach a knockout stage. but obviously without mané it, it the morale the morale of the team Could make a difference.
0: Definitely. I mean, obviously Senegal, they kick off their tournament on Monday against Holland. Holland are the favourites of the group. Um, Virgil van Dijk, as well as Holland, will be playing in their first tournament in eight years. Um, Sorry, the first World Cup in eight years. But Virgil van Dijk, he's not actually made the previous, um, I think, three or two tournaments through injury and also through Holland not qualifying. We're now going to move on to, obviously, the five-a-side team. Um, So I've I've kind of just asked, can you name your five-a-side team potentially for this tournament? Uh, so we're going to start with the goalkeepers. Obviously, I'll give you a little bit of time to think while I, I just kind of talk about my goalkeeper. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Tibio Courtois. Now, you are allowed the same as me, it's not a problem. But Courtois I'm going to go with. I think that he was the standout man in that Champions League final when I watched uh, Real Madrid against Liverpool last year. I think that he almost gave them the trophy. I know that Benzema got a lot of praise, but I think that he was almost instrumental. And I think he's had a really good season for Real Madrid. And I just think that, his stature in that goal and what he can do for Belgium, and obviously they're kind of desperate now to win a trophy with that that dying golden generation. So I think that he's going to be a key player for them in this tournament. What about
1: you? I think yeah, I I'd, I'd agree. I think what what I saw from Cartois in the Champions League final was brilliant. Yeah, he, he, I think he he was the reason why Real Madrid um, won the Champions League. I think he's, yeah he's done he's done well. He's you know like I said you know. When, when you go into a World Cup tournament and you've got experience, you've got a very good chance of, of you know, knowledge of the tournament so you know you're going to be able to play well. And I think Cartois is definitely... I think, I think he goes into the tournament as the best goalkeeper.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, he actually, he actually said, funnily enough, at the Ballon d'Ors that he was a little bit unhappy with the way that the Ballon d'Or um, was calculated kind of based on votes and things because he said it was unfair on goalkeepers. He actually said that he felt he would have been finished higher had there not been this kind of stigma around nobody voting for goalkeepers. Yeah, I think that's
1: it, really. I think they, um, people underestimate goalkeepers. Obviously, yeah. they don't score goals, don't make assists.
0: At the end of the day, I think they're just as important as a striker. They are. You've got someone to score, but you need someone to stop. You,
1: you could stop have the, the best. Goal. You could have the best team in the world, and have potentially, you know, the worst goalkeeper, and your team isn't going to be perfect because there's always one thing missing the person that's in the goal to protect uh, the ball from going in the back of the net is you'd have to say it's more important than the person um, that's trying to score the goals really Definitely. so it's you know it's, it's all about trying to get clean sheets in football as well and i think when you have a keeper like Cartois, who i have to say you know best best goalkeeper uh, of the year at the moment i think you know you you have to you have to consider him as you know High in the rankings, especially. Whether it's Ballon d'Or, best uh, you know, player of the world yeah. you know, in, in a year, decade.
0: So now we're going to move on to um, defender. Now we're only going to have one defender. We're going to have two midfielders and then an attacker. That's okay. the way they'll kind of do the little six 5 side formation. So my defender, I'm going to go with Virgil van Dijk. I think it's an obvious one again, but I just think the stature that he brings both to Liverpool and to Holland, the leadership... That kind of courage, the hunger, the desire that I've seen over the past couple of years. The one year when he didn't play for Liverpool, they had that real drop-off, you know, when they were defending the Premier League title um, and he was injured for the majority of the season with an ACL injury. I think that as well, (coughs) Holland, you know, they're known for their defensive flair. Sorry, um, they're known for their offensive flair. They're known for being a great attacking side, a great entertainment um, on the pitch but they've always had this vulnerability in the defence. And I just think that if he's there at the back, he is their captain. He is that motivator in the side. But he's also so calm. We've seen him, you know, kind of easily um, defend Haaland, Mbappe, Ronaldo in the past. He's done it all. He's kind of had that um, experience at the top level. So I think that he is a key figure this um, summer at the World
1: Cup. I was just going to say, yeah, I think uh, what um, Van Dyke did uh, when Liverpool played Manchester City and. We kept Harland uh, away from scoring so many times. And I think that's that's the sort of defender you need. You know how good Harland is. He's a top scorer. He's basically scored against almost every Premier League club. And then to go against your team and to be that defender that can stop him from scoring and get a clean sheet against you know probably the best team in the Premier League. You, you that's that's what you need. He has great leadership as well. I think. I, I have to put him as my defender as well. The yeah, team yeah. Um, he's just trying to think of other defenders as well, which you can really relate to. Supposing you can, but to his to the level that he's playing at, I think you know you can't really compare. it to Yeah,
0: course. definitely, definitely. So now we're gonna go with the two midfielders. Um, I'll let you go first with with one of your picks, and then obviously I'll I'll say my pick, and then if we have any similar ones, obviously we'll just carry on. Um, so who's your your first midfielder? So this is a
1: tricky one because there's quite there's there's definitely a few you can pick from. I think I I'm very tempted to go with Luka Modric is one of them.
0: Yeah. I think you who, know, who would be your other one? So you've got Luka Modric. So who, who
1: are you pairing him with? Luka Modric and a pair I'd probably pair him with if depending on where they're playing, I'd probably say Messi as well. Midfield midf- in midfield, yeah. That's a, that's a, yeah. So Cause I, I didn't know whether to put him as like a striker. Well, yeah, or yeah. Field, but I, you know, he's playing winger. You're you just
0: just in as many attackers as
1: you can. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but I think you know, both of them—they've experienced World Cup tournaments. They're both. Is really it going to be the last for both of them? I think will I I think he'll definitely be Messi's last World Cup.
0: I mean, Modric is older. He's thirty-seven. Modric
1: is older.
0: There has been a lot of rumors that he. I think he might have said he potentially will retire from this world cup.
1: I think I think Modric I, I always like, think he could maybe go for one more international tournament, Make just whether it's the Euros. But um I think it it thing is if it is both of their last world cups, yeah. They're going to want to put in the best performance and you know, they're going to put all the work rate right in for every match. So that that's that's specifically why I've chosen him. Um sure. yeah yeah, yeah.
0: No, no. Uh, so my two are, I've got to go with Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. I mean, mine seems to be heavily Belgium and Premier League at the minute. Yeah. Um, but I think that Kevin De Bruyne has got so much flair, so much talent. I think that the way that he has elevated Erling Haaland's game in this Manchester City team, I think the way that he can carve open a defence, I just think that he's possibly the best midfielder we've got at the moment, currently. And I just think that he, again, is that heartbeat to the Belgian team. You know, Aiden Hazard's gone past his prime. Lukaku is a little bit kind of, sometimes he can be sensational, other times he can be kind of unreliable. So I think that De Bruyne is the key player for Belgium. And I just think that he's someone who you love to watch. Yeah. I think that, especially against the weaker teams, he can really have fun and run right at this World Cup. Yeah. And then my other midfielder I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to go with probably uh, Xavi. Of Spain. Gavi. Um, or as some people say, Gavi. I never know how to pronounce it. Yeah. But I just love watching this young player. I think that Luis Enrique has made some really bold claims um, with his squad choice. You know, he hasn't called up David De Gea. He hasn't called up Gerard Moreno. Um, two quite kind of um, elder men of the game, you know, with a lot of experience. And he's picked, you know, I think he's is he 18, 17? I think he's I 18. 18, yeah, yeah. But I just love to watch him. I think in that Barcelona team, the way, um, amongst all this crisis at the club and the turbulence, he's just come in effortlessly and really performed. Um, I think it was Ronald Koeman, surprisingly, who actually gave him his debut at Barcelona. But I'm just looking forward to seeing him break out of this tournament and seeing just how how well he can kind of reach the heights. So what about your striker? There's a lot of floating about. You've got Lukaku, Mbappe, Benzema, Kane. Ronaldo, it goes on. Neymar's not been even mentioned
1: yet. Yeah, it kind of
0: goes on and on.
1: There's a lot to choose from, and to only pick one is difficult. I mean, you could go for Benzema, you know, he has been voted for Ballon d'Or. You could go for Mbappe, you know, he's, he's he's still a young player and he's playing sensational.
0: What's your choice then? I've um, got to press you for one.
1: I'm driven. I'm driven to either Mbappe or Kane. I'd probably say, but if I had to go for Probably go for him. Yeah, I yeah. just think you know all the different you know attributes he has. You know he can shoot, fast, he can dribble. He's good at passing. He, he's 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 a great player. He's a great player, and to to be at that age as well already, and to be you know one of the best in the world. I think that's 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 what gets me my vote to put him as my strike, especially you know, like a five-a-side squad as well. Yeah,
0: I think for me. I'm going to go with Lionel Messi. Obviously, you played him in midfield. I've played him yeah. in, in attack. But I just think that it's his last, potentially, like we've said, World Cup. And for me, this, is, this, this tournament is monumental because all his life, it feels like this moment has been leading up to winning the World Cup. That is almost the crescendo. That is the end point for him. And I'd love to see it. As much as I want England to win the tournament, it would be nice to see Messi equally lift the trophy Obviously, he earned his first international trophy last summer um, when he lifted the Copper America. But I just think that I think he's such a great player. I think that the way that he can manipulate <clears throat> defenders, sit them down, the way that he can just influence the game, and I think as well, for that Argentina team, as I was mentioning earlier with Mane and how one player can be so instrumental to a team, I think that he is the heartbeat of that team. I think that they're going to really struggle if he does retire to kind of replicate him again um so yeah that is my last pick so just a last couple of like maybe headlines uh, before we end the podcast um argentina they've recently um seen nico gonzalez withdraw from their squad and ando correa yes, of yeah. atletico madrid he's been called up so that's another big story but what do you think in terms of this what impact has this world cup had on players fitness because we're seeing a lot of players drop out of the World Cup when they've been called up. I mean, James Madison went down against Leicester after being called up and there was a lot of worry there, but luckily he's fine. But there's a lot of players that are getting injured at the minute. I mean, how big is that?
1: It's big. With the how the World Cup usually goes, there's a reason why it's played in the summer and that's because the most of the leagues finish at about May time, end of May, well, middle of May, and... Obviously, the World Cup will start preferably a month away from when the league ends. So it gives players time to, you know, whether it is to um, you know, heal from injuries or just to get a bit of rest as well. It's it's, it's terrible how they've really, um, you know, I know they didn't really have a choice, to be honest, for it to be in Qatar. But for them to play a week before the World Cup, I think that's when you have oh, yeah, to. Yeah. You have to realise that injuries ha- will
0: occur. Well, if we go back to Mane, I mean, he he got injured in the 20th minute against Werder Bremen for Bayern Munich at the weekend, and then, like you say, a week later, technically he's playing with his country, but obviously he's not now because he's injured. So yeah, a week away, that's the difference. Where a, a club has got time to obviously meet up and get to know their players, get to know their tactics. And get ready for their um, country. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things. It's uh, We've never really seen anything like it. But, you know, everyone's looking forward to it at the moment, I think. I think that, um, obviously, it kicked off on Sunday. Um, how excited are you for the World Cup?
1: I'm excited for this one. I really am. I think uh, it's a bit of a change, really, to see that it's World Cup or Christmas time. So, you know, it's it's a bit funny, really, having it winter instead of summer. But... You know, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think um, you know for it to be in Qatar is uh, quite an interesting one. As yeah, well. there's a
0: lot of there's a lot of obviously
1: moral issues surrounding it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think you can get a lot of stories from uh, from it as well, and there's you know a few bits of controversy you might hear from it as well because it's in Qatar. Oh, definitely. But I think it's definitely it's a, it's one to look out for because there's plenty of stories and news which you'll hear about it. I think the. You know, the World Cup always provides shocks and surprises. So there's no doubt there'll be some shock and surprise. We'll we'll never know who it'll be, but it'll be someone which you may not expect. But I'm I'm looking forward to it either yeah, way. You
0: never know, you might get a twenty fourteen James Rodriguez again who just out of nowhere breaks out.
1: Exactly, exactly. We all remember yeah. the goal
0: he scored, the volley against Joanquar. Right? Yes. But yeah, no, that's that's the end of the podcast. Um just to let everyone know, obviously look out on our website um, for any upcoming match previews on some of the latest big games. We're also going to be covering a lot of kind of articles surrounding the World Cup and some of those big moments and big games. Um, and obviously, follow us soon on our next podcast. And Thank you very much.